the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, greeting everyone. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm having a blast uh, with this particular video series. And we've been, of course, uh, talking about the um, historical criticism of Islam, specifically early Islam. And obviously, if you have Dr. J. Smith, then you will be talking about the book, the man, and the place. And that's exactly what we've been unpacking. But the beauty about this particular video series is that it is so short. Each episode focuses on at least one main point to make it easy for you, by the way, because this is why we're doing it. We've listened to many of your comments and we're putting it all together for you in a way that will be meaningful to you as you use it and hopefully share it and even uh, interact with Muslims uh, around the world about these important topics that deal with the foundation of Islam, which we are so far quickly discovering that it's a a very, very weak foundation, loose foundation, not that solid at all. And our hope is that our Muslim friends will come to the right man who will lead them to the right place if they would be willing to read the right book. With me here in studio, as always, Dr. J. Smith. Welcome back. Thank you, al It's really great to be with you here. All right. So we've been talking about the place, and today we're going to talk about something really amazing that this place, Mecca, is the burial place, not for one, not for two, not for three, many prophets. Yeah, and, and, and that's hugely significant. Now, the Quran doesn't talk about this. These are the, the standard Islamic narrative again. And really, we are confronting the standard Islamic narrative. Right. The Quran will be doing later. But the standard Islamic narrative is really what we're up against. And we're trying to uh, ask, legitimately so, if the standard Islamic narrative makes claims then the the claims it makes, both historical and uh, certainly in this case, the, the the place, the man, and the book, the the historicity of the place itself. If it makes these claims historically, then it should be supported historically. In this case, what we're going to do too, we're going to look at the claims it makes about people. Prophets are pretty important. Why are prophets pretty important? Well, I mean, even for Muslims, these are the ones that were the messengers of Allah. They brought messages to different people, and Muhammad is considered one of them. And also prophets, allegedly, the ones who prophesy things as well. And the Quran talks about a number of them, but the Hadith traditions acknowledge that there is even much more than what the Quran mentioned. The Quran mentions 25. Uh, the, uh, the Hadith tradition mentions like 124,000 sometimes, and even in other places, 314,000. So, obviously, there's an awful lot of them. That's right. And what's fascinating to me is that how many of these prophets died in Mecca, 
according to the traditions. Not the Quran, but according to the traditions, the standard Islamic narrative. Standard Islamic narrative says that they died and were buried there. Now, you know, as a Muslim, when you die, you have to get buried within 24 hours, correct? That's true. So you don't send the body to a place called Mecca. That means that they live there. If they were buried there, they were there. I, mean, I can't say, say they lived there for long term, but they were play, They were actually physically in Mecca when they mm-hmm. died. Otherwise, you wouldn't be buried there. Okay? If that is the case, let's just look. Let's go to a slide now, and let's just see some of the references that the traditions. We don't have enough up here to go into all the ones they talk about, because there will be as many as 300 of them. But let's just look at some of the significant names. I'm going to put them up there one after another. Take a, Notice, Adam and Eve were buried in Mecca. That means the very first humans were buried in Mecca. Hugely significant because they not only live there, they are not only sent down from, from the garden, even down to there, they also died there and were buried there. And that's interesting, by the way, because I grew up also believing that Hagar, I mean, uh, uh, Eve was buried in Jeddah as well. In fact, I used to visit friends whose house was facing the cemetery. Well, the traditions are very clear that she was buried in, uh, uh, you can see Mecca. It looks like the people in Jeddah needed some reference to give them some type of notoriety. It was probably the person who owned that land wanted to make, create a, 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 a emblem for himself and wanted to have tourists come by to take pictures. So he created that narrative. Narratives are being created all the time. We're going to see that later on when we look at the Hajj. But certainly what we do here, we notice that Adam and Eve, we also know that Seth was buried there. Ishmael, that's pretty important. Uh, well, that shouldn't surprise us because we know, according to chapter 21, the, the he and his father rebuilt the Kaaba there. So he was in Mecca at the time to be able to do that. He evidently died there as well and was buried there. Noah, well, that's really fascinating because Noah is way back in ancient history. Uh, he should be even before any of these. So he is buried there in Mecca. Oh, fascinating because that would put it that would put it back to thousands of years earlier. Hud, who is the great grandson of Noah, so not only was Noah born Hood, yeah. uh, died there, he, his family stayed on there in Mecca. Right. I, I had no idea. I thought they were way up further north. I had no idea they were that far south. Salah, who is the grandfather of Hagar. I've always assumed that they lived way up in what is today Jordan and Israel. And his people are the one who also built mansions in the mountains. In the mountains. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. something I didn't know. So there you go. The Queen of Sheba. Now, hold on a minute. That's way south. So here we have all these people that we've always thought were very far north, sh- suddenly being shunted down 600 to 1,000 miles further south to Mecca. But now we're getting sh- the Queen of Sheba. What was she doing up there? I do know in chapter uh, 27, verses 17 to, uh, to I think it's four, uh, verse 17 to about 51 or so, and she is told to come up by a hoopoe bird uh, that Abraham was training for battle, and that hoopoe bird comes and brings her up uh, to Solomon. Uh, Did I say Abraham? Yeah, yeah. She, I she, meant she, Solomon. Yeah. Chapter 27, verses right. 17 to 44 it is. Chapter, uh, verses 17 to 44. Solomon, not Abraham. Get me right on this. Uh, Solomon is the one that uh, has the hoopoe bird go down and bring her back up mm-hmm. to Jerusalem. And she comes into the throne room and picks up her skirts so her skirts don't get wet. That story would suggest that she certainly was in Mecca, but she must have loved it so much. She stayed there and she died there and was buried there, according to the traditions. And then you have Daniel, our good old Daniel, uh, who we know is was in the, was in the Persians, the, was amongst the Persians. What is he doing way down here? 
here in, in the middle uh, of Arabia. Seriously, I mean, this, this is laughable when it comes to Daniel. I mean, he was so excited that the exile is almost 70 years and it's going to be over and people will go back to Jerusalem. Why didn't he go to Jerusalem with them? Why did he go down to Mecca? He, he, well, his compass was wrong and he didn't. He yeah. accidentally got the wrong place and he ended up way down here in Mecca. Now, according to the traditions, anywhere from 70 to 300 of the prophets. Now, as you said earlier, remember when we're talking about prophets, there's 124,000 of them. They can name almost anybody they want as prophets. And so it's fascinating to me that they even have women included in this list. They all lived or died and were buried. Here's what's interesting. In the traditions, it says that they were buried kneeling in a kneeling position. Now, mm-hmm. explain that to me. What's going on here? Why would they be kneeling? Well, it's almost like in a prayer position, technically speaking. Absolutely. Yeah. Why would they be in a prayer position? Because they were still in a, a kind of a trance, in a semi-conscious state. That's what I, when, I, when, when I've asked Muslims, what is this? This is referring to a semi-conscious state. They're halfway between heaven and, not heaven, sorry, death and life. But they're not fully dead. They're in it so that they can praise God. That's one of their jobs. So here they are in, the, uh, in kneeling, which means they don't disintegrate. They don't deteriorate if they're in a kneeling position. They should still be there today. If that is the case... Here's my, here's my million-dollar question. With all these prophets buried, they're all around the Kaaba. Mm-hmm. Take a look and see what's happening to the Kaaba today. What's going on there? What are you noticing? So many, uh, you know, basically improvements, construction improvements and enhancements to the actual court itself, the building, you know, and uh, the expansions that are taking place. And, uh, you know, they, they've done enough digging that they would have discovered just one. Just one of such graves. Just one. Listen, anytime you build large, look at the, look at the, I mean, you've seen the, the clock tower, the f- fourth highest building in the world. To build a clock tower that high, you have to have huge foundations, deep foundations to exactly. support it. Yeah. You dig down foundations, you're digging out an awful lot. You're digging right. out an awful lot of sand. When you dig those kind of foundations, the archaeologists show up there licking their lips because they cannot wait for you to, to find out what you're going to find. Because that's how the archaeologists, they don't have the money to do these kind of digs. The engineers do. And so they're waiting, they're waiting for, to find all the artifacts that are going to come up, all the trinkets, all the pottery, all the p- bits and pieces of history, because that's how they recreate the history of Mecca. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, if they're digging that deep all around the Kaaba, which you see here, they are digging all around the Kaaba, then they must be coming across these prophets. In an elite position. Have they found one? Uh, I'm not aware. That, that would have been an earth-shaken discovery. In fact, right now, right now, Dr. J, I mean, there is enough technology out there where you don't even need to dig to just see what's under the ground. Yeah, they have these radar scopes that guys yeah. do. But the fact that they're digging all around the Kaaba and they have yet to come across one prophet suggests to me the standard Islamic narrative doesn't know what it's talking about. I don't think the standard Islamic narrative, when it was being written in the 9th and 11th, ever expected anybody to do any digging around there. They didn't expect yeah. anybody to dig deep. They didn't expect anybody to actually test them on this. But I'm asking this question, and I'm asking it to you Muslims. If you really do believe the standard Islamic narrative that Mecca existed, that Mecca is where the burial place for all these prophets, anywhere from 70 to 300, if you really do believe that, then show me one 
reference. Show me one example of one of these prophets. Give me Adam and Eve. Show me Seth. Let me see Ishmael. Let me see Noah. Let me see Hud or Saleh or the Queen of Sheba, for heaven's sake. I just want one example of one of these prophets. Okay, take a picture of it and send it to me, maybe of them kneeling still. I would love to see where these prophets are. There should be 124,000 of them. We know at least 300 that were buried there in Mecca. This is your traditions. This is what you are trusting. This is what you're depending your whole life on. I'm just asking a simple historical question. Where are these prophets? What's more, if this were the case and the standard Islamic narrative was correct, we're going to have to change all of our biblical archaeology. We're going to have to throw out everything that we have found to prove that all of these people live much further north. It's an entire industry of biblical archaeology. And what's fascinating to me is that they have not found one mistake yet with biblical archaeology. There is so much evidence for biblical narrative, so much evidence for what the Bible says about every one of these prophets, where they are buried, if they do say where they're buried, but even where they existed, the towns, the cities, the places they went to, all have been substantiated. Now for the Muslims, they're going to have to do the same thing with Islam. Amen to that. And I really second what my brother just mentioned, especially to you, wealthy Muslim businessmen and women, please invest some money in discovering one such grave. I want to share an image of a prophet just kneeling down. Shut me up. This is your chance to prove it. Show me the money. That's what I mean. Until then, thank you for listening. We'll be right back after this message. You're listening to Let Us Reason with Al Fadi. We depend on the generous gifts of our supporters to produce this program. To join us in this work, go to patreon.com and search for Sira International. That's C-I-R-A International. You can also donate through PayPal. Go to sirainternational.com to learn more. Your support will help us continue introducing Muslims to the gospel of Christ. Now, back to Let Us Reason. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a continuation of this video series on the historical criticism of Islam. Today, we're going to talk about the place yet again. And our fundamental question is this. Where is the place? Where is Mecca? on any of the ancient maps. Better yet, when did it really appear for the first time? With me here to unpack all of this for us is Dr. Jay Smith. Dr. Jay, welcome back. Okay, I'm gonna, this is, this is absolutely important because maps are where you will find a place. We're talking about a place, so a place would be on a map and maps are uh, hugely important uh, because they do locate the places that were references in the places that we're investigating. And so that's why it was important to do this. Dr. Patricia Corona was the one that really did this. And this is, I'm using her her uh, research. She is the one that researched this between 1977 and 1987 in the last century, that 10-year period. Uh, she wanted to find, she had the same question. Okay, if we're looking for a place, let's look at the maps. Let's just look at the maps. And I'm sure her intent was really to prove it, basically. Yeah. The difficulty is that there are no ancient maps of Arabia. They just don't exist because nobody really thought about making maps. Maps is a much more later invention. It was usually it was usually the Europeans that are best known for the modern maps or the whole map making industry. There the Chinese had maps of local areas, but no one had bothered to map Arabia. Why do you think no one had bothered to map Arabia? Well, usually you map things that are important. That's right. And what was wrong with uh, Arabia? Well, obviously, uh, there are parts that were important that were mapped, 
it appears that certain parts were not that important, insignificant, you know, so they didn't want to invest the time or the money on that. There are only three places there. I mean, there are four places that are mapped that had local maps. One was the northern part of Arabia. Uh, the other was the southern part of Arabia. The northern part, because that's where the civilizations were. Uh, that was where Arabia was known as. It was known as Arabia Petraea. Right. The southern part is the was where the Sabaeans are and so there was lots of uh, civilizations there so there, that was mapped ports there is a commerce taking place that's right yeah. and then you have on the west you have the Red Sea that's where the trade route went up the mm -hmm. Red Sea and on the east you have the Straits of Homers you have the Persian Gulf so that would have been mapped those are just local maps but nothing was mapped in the central part and the reason is very simple it was Petrea Deserta known as Petrea Deserta that means desert desert if there's a desert, there's no one there. We're going to talk more about that later on. So obviously, the, the, in order for Patricia Corona to try to find a map, she needed to go back to the earliest maps that existed. And the earliest maps were done by Europeans of Arabia. This is of Arabia. The earliest maps were done by Europeans, not people who had gone there. What they were doing is that they went back to Ptolemy. Ptolemy from the second century. And Ptolemy is the one who is, wrote a great book on geography. And so he would be the one that you go to since he was the one from that area. He was the first one to write down about Arabia Petraea and Arabia, uh, the, 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 the Arabia itself, the southern part, the Sabaean area, and the northern part. And so he would describe mountains and rivers and cities and towns he would describe all this. And so what happened, uh, the Europeans took his descriptions and then they tried to put it in a map. So the first one that was ever produced is this one here. So let's go back. Let's go back to the slide and let's look at his map. So this is the first, very first one. And this was uh, created by Leinhardt Holle. See his name up there in yellow? 1482. So we're talking about the 15th century. 15th century, this is 800 years after Muhammad. So this is 1,500 years after supposedly Mecca existed. And he is taking Ptolemy's references, putting all the names that he could find, and putting him where he thought that Ptolemy was referring to. Mm -hmm. What do you notice is missing? Mecca. Mecca is missing. The most important city, the center of everywhere, the center of history, where Adam and Eve yeah, lived. Exactly. Adam and Eve, Abraham and Ishmael. I mean, they definitely predated the second century. So, obviously, Ptolemy did not know about Mecca, the most significant city. The, 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 the city that should have been the first thing he put on the map is not in this map from 1482. Now, there was another map that was done a little bit later in 1540 when, uh, by a man named Laurent Fries. He created this map, again, to take what Ptolemy had said. He wanted to improve on what Leonard had done earlier. So about, about a century later, he put this map. Uh, what's missing? Mecca. Okay, so there you see another problem. Looks like Mecca is not on this map. You see all kinds of different references. Take a look at it carefully. Blow it up if you can. Tell me if you can find Mecca there. And I encourage anybody, don't trust me, go and look at these maps. You blow them up and see if Mecca is referred to. It's not on this map. So then we go to 1571. So about 30 years later, you have Sebastian Munster, who puts together this map. Uh, and this is done 1571. He is from Germany. He takes what Ptolemy said, what Ptolemy had written, and he introduces what he thinks is an even more accurate map. What's missing? Mecca again. It's getting redundant, isn't it? Yeah. 
It's getting redundant. So Mecca is missing in every one of these uh, three so far maps. There's another one that uh, that uh, Patricia Corona referred to, and she looked at this one here. This is a 7th century redacted map. In other words, it was a modern map, a more modern map. She didn't give the date on it, but it's redacted back to what people thought the 7th century looked like. What's missing? Mecca? So they should have had Mecca by now. Certainly... By the 14th, 15th, and 16th century, they should have known about Mecca because Mecca was well-known by then. Right. Mecca was very well-known by then. So why, why, if this is a redacted map back, why in the world didn't they have Mecca on this map? Now, that's not the only one. Here's another one that Patricia Corona refers to. Uh, this is a 7th century redacted map back. Uh, looking back, she didn't give a date for it because we don't really know the date of this one. But again, certainly by, this is after the, fourth, uh, the 15th century. So this is still coming out of Europe. This is after the 15th century. They should have had Mecca on that map. If, remember, this is the center of history. This is where Adam and Eve lived. This is where Abraham lived. This is where all the prophets were buried. Well, seven, 300 of the, sorry, three, 70 to 300 of the prophets were buried. What in the world is going on here? Once again, we're missing Mecca. Now, here's a, a number of questions I have. See if you can answer them. Maps are supposed to show where places exist. Isn't Mecca the most important place for Arabia? That's what the standard Islamic narrative told us. Then why is it not there? Somebody must have missed it, right? Now, if you look carefully here, you can see Makoraba there. It's about halfway up. Let me just point to it. There is Makoraba. And some people have said, ah, that must be Mecca. Look and see where I'm pointing right now. Makoraba, can you see where it is right there? It's in the middle. It's in the middle, so it's not in the right location. Okay, so they didn't get their, they didn't get their dimensions right. Could that be Mecca? Uh, you know, Jay, they took the time to draw the shorelines, and they missed the location of Mecca. Well, Gibson actually takes this on. He says, yes, that's his Makoraba, but is Makoraba the same word as Mecca in Arabic to begin with? No, it isn't. Of course not. What are the major, what are the three major consonants in Makoraba? Karaba, yeah. the place of the Karib or yeah. whatever it is. Makoraba, yeah. Mukaraba. So if it's got the wrong consonants to begin with. But then he said, and so did Patricia Corona. She took this on as well. She says, first of all, Arabic, anybody who knows Arabic knows that that's not the same name. But then Gibson did a much better thing. He went back to Ptolemy, and he went back, and he wanted to look at where all the mountains were that Ptolemy talks about and where the rivers were uh, with Ptolemy. And he noticed that every one of these maps were, written, were done by Europeans who never really had been to Arabia. Those rivers did not exist in the middle of the desert. There were no rivers in the middle of the desert. Where are those rivers coming from? You can see here on the, on the map. Right. They're much further south. In fact, when you look and see where the rivers are and the mountains are, and when you look where the towns that are close to the rivers and close to the mountains that Ptolemy did talk about, you push everything south. What, what Ptolemy did not realize is that he had not really been there physically. He didn't realize that the whole central part of Arabia was desert. He forgot about the desert. And he just assumed that all these places were further north. But Gibson says, no, there are no rivers up there, and there are these mountain ranges are much further south. So he redistributed, putting where the mountain ranges were and then putting where the rivers were and where the towns that were close to those rivers, he put them where they were, and guess what he found? Makoraba is way down in Yemen. It's way down south. And he recorrected it, showing that this is where really where that Makoraba is. So he helped us on that one on top of that. But so, okay, so the maps don't show it. 
And I don't know why the Europeans didn't think this through. When they were putting these maps together in 1400 and in 1500, and these redacted maps even uh, later than that, in the 18th and the 19th century, why did they not question this? Why is it no one came up with this problem that the Mecca is not on any of these maps? Doesn't that sound rather curious to you? Absolutely. Well, Patricia Corona asked this question. She wanted to know why no one had really brought this up. So she decided to do some work on her own. And guess what she found? She wanted to go back and find out where the first reference. Now, remember, this woman reads and writes 15 languages. She knows everything. She can write. She can read and write Akkadian and Aramaic and uh, all Arabic and all this Nabataean Aramaic and, and uh, uh, Syriac, uh, Aramaic Syriac. She can read all this. And she went back to the earliest documents and she went to and she found a document called the Apocalypse of Pseudomethodius Continuato Byzantia Arabica which is the first reference she could find to this place called Mecca, written in 741 A.D. That's the 8th century. That is almost 100 years. In fact, it's 100 years after Muhammad's death that the first reference for it. What does this say to you? That tells me that Mecca wasn't as prominent a city or a town like the standard Islamic narrative would want us to believe. Absolutely. To me, that's a huge problem. What I want to do next, going to the next uh, episode, is I want to look at those Qiblas again. I want to talk about those Qiblas that Gibson already referred to. And of course, if anyone is not familiar with this, uh, we did an entire video series just on the Qiblas alone. So the purpose of these shows here is to give you snippets and focus on big arguments. But if you want to really enjoy learning more, expand more, believe it or not, almost every one of those arguments we've done like a video series on that. So we encourage you uh, to go and search either Finder Films or Sierra International to learn more about those arguments. So next time, we will be discussing the Qibla. Until then, have a blessed day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.